Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. We've got a super interesting guest for you today, food allergy mom, food allergy advocate, and featured in Zaki's Kitchen on FAIR's Living Teal channel, Priscilla Hernandez. Priscilla, thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no, this will be great. I mean, you've got so many things going on. I mean, we we literally cut off your intro because there's so many other things that you're working on and that you have worked on. And I want to talk about all those things, but how did you even get involved in food allergy stuff? So you've got a background in governmental things, which leads to the advocacy, but Zaki at some point got diagnosed with food allergies. How did that go? And not more importantly, but also how did you handle that? How did that make you feel? Well, um, before I had Zaki, I was, I consider myself a working woman. I would, you know, I was working in government and I was doing things and planning my future. And um, I got married and in 2012, I had Zaki and life changed, right? Being a first time mom, your life changes. <laughs> you think you have it all together and, and they just come, these little beings come and you're just like, what am I doing? <laughs> totally and, different you know, world once they show up, isn't it? Oh, Absolutely. And you're like all about being confident and they're just like, they break all that down. <laughs> so, so I had him join my life. And, um, I remember specifically, like, I think most allergy moms probably, you know, can relate to is that, um, early on he was pretty fussy. He would cry a lot. I couldn't identify what it was. It was breastfeeding at the time. And then I ended up changing the formula and then we thought it was the formula. And, um, so we changed formula to the traditional milk formula to soy formula. And he also had the eczema. Um, and he had all the things that we look back hindsight 2020, right. That we look back and now we know that is definitely, there's a correlation between the two. But when I was going to the doctor, they was like, oh, this is a topical thing. Let's just, you know, put steroids, let's put creams, do all that stuff. And I remember I would wake up, um, his first year of life, I'd go to his crib and I go, it was like, a, and, excuse me, it was like a murder scene because there's blood everywhere because he would be scratching his, his cheek, even though I would put mins on him and things of that nature. And I just was like, it was pretty, it was a pretty uh, hard time. And I yeah, couldn't and understand not have, it. Not to have answers during that. I can't imagine. Yeah. And then, you know, I looked towards my, you know, my parents, my mom, and I asked, and there wasn't a lot of um, guidance because it wasn't something we were familiar with. And so finally, I believe there was something he had, there was a couple different incidents. There was one that he had banana and it got on his cheek and then instantly you saw something happen. So it was like, oh, there's a correlation. Um, But it wasn't kind of verified. And then there was another labored breathing situation. So finally, I think at one point, at, at one point, the doctor kind of said, hey, this might be food allergies. It might be something you looked into. But, you know, there's also the aspect of it was something I was unfamiliar with. It was something that was brought up um, and we explored it a little bit, but not to the, the point of testing and to really narrow it down. Um, but then as he's gone, as he got older, we decided, you know, there was a couple other incidents that happened. We decided, let's, you know, let's get him tested and at least, um, you know, get the blood and find out. And sure enough, he was, you know, he was allergic, uh, highly allergic um, to a lot of things. Um, so that, that kind of began the journey of not only as a new parent being crazy and not trying, trying to figure out all navigate through the whole process, but also trying to navigate this uncharted territory that, um, no one, especially no one close to me could understand and identify. And it seemed like it was a really lonely one for a while. 
Um, and so that, that, you know, that kind of unfolded. Um, and, you know, we try to get him, um, try to see what we can do for him. And we, we did all the things the doctors said at that time. And like, again, like I said, we continued treating it with like topical creams and trying avoidance is, you know, the one way that with sweet allergy, that's kind of the main thing you can do is the only avoid things. And um, it wasn't until uh, his, you know, he went to preschool, we had a couple incidents, but his first grade year is when it really kind of the, just the thing that we all fear happens and Zachy had an anaphylactic reaction, but not just once in first grade year, he had it twice within a two month period. And so what happened there was, um, is that he was, well, you know, I know a lot of food allergy um, kids and parents decide, you know, you want to take lunch to school kind of so this way you can kind of mitigate the risk of, of having something happen. But my son was like, I want to be, you know, I want to go to lunch and I want to be with all the kids. And yeah. I'm all about inclusion. I'm all about, you know, not being afraid of things to the extent of, you know, that you, you don't try things. I, I think that stunts people's growth. So, you know, I said, okay, even though that's not something that I really wanted, I, I, you know, made sure that I supported his decision to, to have lunch at school. And I also made, you know, a lot of communication attempts and, and, and things went well, um, kindergarten year, but it was first grade year that somebody just changed out. And it, again, this, I know I, I mentioned in my, um, in our series, but one of the things is he, they changed out the bread, um, and put sesame in yeah. the bread stick. And that's, that, that was the day that changed everything for us. Um, well, and sesame is so crazy, right? It, anything that's outside of a previously known as top eight list that didn't mm -hmm. get, you know, labeling lawed, if you will, um, it, it turns into being such more of a problem. I feel the same way about corn, right? It hides in things. Soy is that way, egg is that way, dairy is that way, but at least those are labeled. So you really had kind of a double whammy and, you know, I've got outside of the top eight or nine, you know, pick a day uh, also, but that must have really just kind of really scared you right because sesame hides oh yeah and, and the thing is that you get the diagnosis but it's not until something like that happens that it's like for me anyway and for our household it was just reality set in it was deep uh, especially being in first grade he wasn't home I get a call from the nurse and the yeah. nurse at the first call was based on like oh, I think he made up he came to the, he actually when he ate the breadstick I guess he ate it and, and you couldn't tell he said you know he told me later he said mommy mommy somebody God told me to go to nurse the nurse to find out because I wasn't feeling good so so I went to the nurse and thank God he did you know he spoke up for himself he asked he's a first grader and said hey I need to go to the nurse and good I thought job, that mama. was like I look back and I'm like, oh, it, it, you know, and I still get a little teary eyed. So excuse you me. did that. You did. Yeah. That. Good job. So, you know, and I like going back to it. So when I got the call from the nurse the first time, it was like, Zachy thinks he might have ate sesame. We're looking online because he was, you know, again, he's a first grader. We're going to show him what the seed looks like and to see if he thinks that's what he ate. And, and it went from there to the next phone call was like, are you here yet? are you here yet? And I said, well, what do you mean? And then that's when they, she, I heard her say, you know, I'm going to need to give him an EpiPen. And then I, I, Zachy was really upset. He had thrown up and did all the bad things. And, um, I had rushed, I rushed over, um, afterwards, but that was our first experience. And, and, you know, luckily 
we had a nurse on campus and she administered the EpiPen and, and he was okay. Um, I mean, he's, he's alive. And I, I mean, I think that's, that's what all of us food allergy moms and, and people and individuals that have deal with food allergies, that's your, your biggest concern is to make sure that, you know, you're prepared if something like that happens. Yeah. So yeah. how did you accomplish that kind of self speaking up advocacy in Zachy? How did you teach him? Um, cause I think that this is something that a lot of food allergy moms struggle with, right? How did you let go of that control and feel comfortable that he would say, Hey, I'm having an issue or, Hey, I can't eat that. I mean, I think it really comes just communication and, and I always, and I think you see this from a lot of food allergy kids is that to communicate with your kids in a realistic way, but in a way that they can understand and it's not overwhelming to them, but knowing that there's there's serious things that can happen if they, you know, if they get sick and they need to advocate for themselves. And, um, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that we, we did, and, and it's both my husband and myself and, and you know, my ex- immediate family and my parents too, are always constantly that same message is, you know, Zachy, if you feel sick, don't, don't let us know, we'll, we'll manage it. We'll deal with it. Yeah. And you haven't and, done anything wrong to be in that yeah. situation. And oftentimes like food, especially when they're little, they just kind of, they, they don't know what they're feeling. And, and we told them and at that age too, we would tell them, it's okay. If you don't know what you're feeling, just let us know what you're feeling and we'll, we'll figure it out together. And I think that's the biggest thing that you can do as a parent and, and um, as somebody that's, you know, on the other side is not actually have the allergy, but kind of overseeing that person that's, it has allergies, just communication, even at a very young age. And, you know, you know, you notice a lot of uh, food allergy kids, they're probably, you know, I shouldn't say all of them, but many of them are, you know, outspoken and they're able to advocate for themselves because they have to, mm-hmm. confident. Um, and that, that's, a result. <laughs> that's a result. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's definitely true. You certainly see that. Uh, I had one woman on the podcast. I, I don't remember how old she made 21, 22. And I was like, can I please interview your mother? Because you are so mature and confident. Like, how did she do this? <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I well, always and- ask that question, right? How do you feel comfortable? How do you, how do you let go a little bit? You know? And you never really let go though. I mean, you could say it's so as a parent too, you just never, I mean, we all never really let go, but we know that in order for them to move forward, in order for them to develop and become, you know, grow within themselves, we have to let go a little bit. You know, we're kind of hovering, hovering around. We're behind, <laughs> you know, we're behind places, always watching. But you know, we have to let them kind of do their own thing. So um, let let's talk about some of the advocacy work. There was an article about you that I thought was perfectly titled "Allergic to Obstacles," right? So <laughs> you have run for school board. You're totally involved with Fair. You have Zaki's Kitchen on their channel. How have you gotten involved in these organizations and and decided kind of what what you wanted to do in order to get your message out? And this is going to be like a 900 part question, right? So you've got (laughs) local advocacy going on. You've got national advocacy going on. You're concerned with and making sure that, you know, marginalized communities, in your case, Latina, can have the right information and access, um, you know, in addition to all the other challenges. Yeah. How, how do you do it? Where do you start? Well, well, you know, going back to the incident when Zachy had his EpiPen, um, that that really prompted like a whole different level of thinking. And then just to, to kind of go further in that that story, um, he actually 
uh, we, after everything kind of happened, I didn't want him to be afraid again. And so we end up kind of going back and having, allowing him to um, get hot lunch at the hot lunch program. And unfortunately somebody changed out the croutons and put sesame. So, uh, so, so we had another EpiPen that was a, you know, a month, I think it was about a month and a half well, later. it's never going to eat a bread product again. Uh, yeah, seriously, <laughs> but I didn't want that. You know, I, that's the yeah. opposite of what I want. <laughs> and, you know, and, and now, you know, he does take lunch, but I, we still go out and we, we, you know, we go to restaurants and, and we make sure that, you know, we show them that, Hey, you can't, sure. you have to be able to live. Right. And so the schools. So, 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 you know, I looked at the school and I said, well, you know, this happened within a school that has a nurse, but I've worked, you know, my background, I work in a nonprofit organization dedicated to at-risk youth. And I've worked there for over a decade. And, you know, I'm always looking at it from that perspective of like, I'm a, I feel I'm pretty, for the most part, you know, articulate, be able to express our concerns, <laughs> express our concerns about, you know, Zachy and, and his needs. And, you know, we're fortunate to have a school that has resources, but then I know situations that are quite different than that. Yeah. And so when that happened, I looked at it from perspective of what, what's in place. And I have a background in government and I actually worked in, in the state office before that. So the first thing I went to is like, what kind of laws are in place on a state level? And I did my research and there wasn't much. And and being, well, I'm from California and thinking, wow, California should be pretty progressive and have something in place. And there wasn't. Um, and what I did, I did my research. In addition to that, I called schools up and down the state. I called San Diego. I, w- I went to all the unified school districts from San Francisco, Berkeley, because I went to Berkeley for my undergrad. I was like, they have to have something in place. And I, what I did see is I, I looked and I said, there, there's a lot not in place. And if there's something in place, it's not uniformed. And it's and, probably not particularly effective. Yeah. And I did see other states did have these guidelines in place. So I said, well, we need to initiate guidelines. We need to, I know there's uh, 504 plans. I know there's the, all that, but you have to be pretty savvy in my my perspective in order yeah. to kind of know that. And, and the communities, again, like I said, that I know there's communities that, you know, they're just trying to deal with issues right in front of them, like food security, things of that nature, and, and you know, just getting the food on the table. So um, we... I initiated a bill and it's called Zaki's bill. And it was um, AB 3064 and it ran on in 2020. <laughs> and we were going to go uh, testify in, and in the education committee to see it follow through. And it was in March. And so I think everybody knows what happened in March, 2020. Um, the world shut down. We and sure so, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so it, it was a bill that in, in the assembly, it's going to be run in the Senate, uh, in this upcoming 2022 year oh. again. And again, like I said, essentially what it does is put guidelines and how to deal with it from communication with the parents and the school to putting a planning together and everything that needs the whole comprehensive. So people don't have the, you know, individuals that have food allergies within the school system are not searching for it. It's there and it, it's a resource. So speaking of resources, I think that's amazing, by the way. And if there's ever anything that, you know, anyone can do to help, I don't know if starting to make phone calls now is useful for something that hasn't been introduced, you know, yet into the next session, but California listeners, go figure that out. (laughs) Uh, Go ahead. I said, great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Go Make the phone calls. Um, So on the other side, outside of government, you're working with FAIR. And you've got this show called Zaki's Kitchen. 
and you put out all these recipes that are, you know, kind of largely top nine free, or at least can be easily made that way. Zaki helps you cook or more accurately, maybe you help Zaki cook. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of behind the scenes. He's the one. <laughs> yeah. So how is it that you come up with those recipes? Where did you learn to cook? Where did you learn to love it? Oh. Well, um, first off, I'm so fortunate to be connected with an organization such as FAIR. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, the resources they provide individuals with food allergies. I mean, I just, they're such, they're a place that every food allergy parent and individual looks towards and, and appreciates. Um, and Lisa, who's at the head of it, she's just amazing. And so I know when we have these, um, the show that was presented. Um, it's going to be a six episode show. Um, we had an opportunity to kind of share our story and Zachy's story in the kitchen. Um, so yeah, it revolves around our cooking and uh, we, uh, we've been cooking a lot of Mexican dishes. So we mm -hmm. did the first one was a vondigas, which is a meatball soup. And then we had uh, a salsa, salsa verde. verde. Yep. And the next one is going to be uh, salmon tacos. And um, kind of what you said is it, we're fortunate there. Well, there's, and, and I understand what you said earlier. So Zaki is allergic to legumes, mm -hmm. um, shellfish, um, nuts, and uh, a, a bunch of other things, but yeah. he says, it's sesame, of course, that's the main one. And, um, and, but he's not allergic to, to fin fish. So we're fortunate on that, but there's, you're right. Thank it's, you. it's one of the things is you have to be like, even if it's top nine, we're, we're cognizant of everything because he, some of the things that he has, he's allergic to, he's allergic to your kind of outside of that, that top nine too. Um, so, you know, our, our the concept of, of, of the show is essentially to, you know, show like kind of behind in the kitchen, but also bring up things that every day that, that come up when you, you suffer from food allergies and, and just kind of let you know that you're not alone out there. And, um, you know, we're, we're all going through it. It's funny, you meet other food allergy parents or individuals that have food allergies and there's commonality, there's bond yeah. you instantly have because you understand each other. Well, and I and think that- I talk to a lot of food allergy parents and the overwhelming common thread is it was so lonely, you know? And like you're always- yeah. And so I think when you do, you meet somebody else who has those common threads and- um, it, it alleviates that feeling, right? It's gotta be so satisfying. Absolutely. I think that, and I think that's what the show show does is it shows you you're not alone, but I think in another level, it also, you know, I think that in order for us within this community to progress, and we know this, we need to, um, tell our story, but a relatable way. I mean, there's things that are in there that everybody can relate. If you're a person, I mean, we break bread every day. We like interact with people. That's how we, that's how we, you know, celebrate. We do all those things. And I think that this, um, this show, which I really think is pretty neat is the fact that I think the best thing about it is that it's very relatable. And I, I've heard a lot of my friends that are food allergy parents or food allergy community that love it. And I also have a lot of friends that are like, wow, this is great. You know, I'm learning a new recipe. I never knew, you know, one of the things I've heard over and over again, I never knew how hard it is to have a food allergy. Yeah. I've heard that at least maybe a dozen times. You know, in our training to, like in our training to restaurants, one of the slides that we put up is a, a challenge. Look, if you don't get this, take one day, yeah. one grocery store trip, assign yourself an allergy and go see how that feels. Go see all the information that you have to consume in addition to your normal day in order to be successful with your, you know, pseudo allergy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this show has been 
is is doing that. It's like really kind of letting us outside of our bubble know, like, mm-hmm. hey, this is what we deal with. And and again, you know, individuals deal with it maybe for different. They have their own challenges and they deal with it and they relate with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've seen that during COVID. I mean, there's so many overlaps with COVID and having a food allergy, and this invisible, you know, thing that we know we have to be aware of, but we can't really identify where it's at. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of that. And they're so well produced. They're beautiful videos. Oh, so, amazing. Congratulations team, on that. Yeah. Yeah. The team is amazing. Jonathan, the head of it. And they're just, and it, it's just been, it's been so easy. Um, I was wondering if Jonathan was involved since you're in the same city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, He's definitely. The best. <laughs> he is. Yeah. So on the, on the local side, so we covered kind of national stuff and we talked a little bit about what, what happened with the, um, you know, your experience with schools, but you actually ran for school board, did pretty well, I must say. Uh, <laughs> what, what was it like? Most people don't ever run for office, right? So how was that experience and how did you take the passion and inspiration from your experiences with Zaki and, and put that out there, uh, you know, to help yeah. everybody else? Well, you know, it, it's 2020 happened and honestly, I threw my hat in the ring pretty late. Um, and the reason I did is because the, the world was changing. And I said, you know what? And the first thing I thought of is our schools, these kids, seeing these kids at home and seeing them on virtually and, and the impact it, it was having them emotionally. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to do something. I want to be part of the decision making on how that, you know, how that the future was going to, because I knew it wasn't going to be just six months. I really, I knew it was going to be a long-term. If you look at like you know, history, it's, it's multi-years. Um, so it, it really made me want to run. And, and, you know, especially with, you know, doing things with advocacy with Zachy and, and knowing that not only, you know, especially looking at my own son and looking at him, like having the struggle within the school then with COVID, like it was just, it was just a culmination. So I wanted to do something. So yeah, I ran and, and um, it was a great experience. Um, and I just feel like, you know, if we don't step up and we don't do things, then you know, we can talk, but we, we, I'm, I'm a big believer on actually, like I see an issue. I want to solidify it. I want to find something. It might not be the, I shouldn't say solidify or be part of uh, the solution or give a small part. You know, I, I'm, I'm a really big on that. Like I'll talk about the issue, but I'm like, okay, how can we go about addressing it? Um, and I felt like that's what I needed to do in regards to that, to running. Did you have an organization that you worked with to kind of help along the way with the stuff, you know, like running for office got to be kind of a complicated thing, website and <laughs> signs and bumper stickers and, you know, canvassing. I was, so I had individuals, you know, support, but honestly, I did it really kind of like on my own in the sense of, you know, I just, it, it was something that, um, you know, there was big entities and I was running against individuals that had big entities. And, and I think I was the one that they're like, wow, she came close <laughs> because I, I did it. <laughs> Yeah, I did it. I did it. And I just, you know, just with just, I don't know what to say. It was, it was just a lot of desire and a lot of wanting to do it, um, to make a change, make a difference. Um, so yeah, it, it was a great experience. Yeah. That's really cool. What would you do differently now knowing what you didn't know before? Oh, I do a lot. <laughs> um, planning, you know, there's a lot, a lot of things that go into it. So I think, you know, just, it's, just as far as timing, but, um, you know, I think I, more than anything, I feel like I accomplished just, uh, awareness around food allergies. I mean, it was one of the things that was brought up a lot, you know, yeah. and I think, I think that was a great thing. Um, I, I, you know, I just, again, I feel like 
I, if I did it different, I would do it different, but I think I was proud of what the results were during that time. Yeah. So. I always like to ask about advice. Um, so I have a couple advice questions for you. People who kind of feel the same way, you know, I've got this issue, but it doesn't just affect me. It affects other people in other communities. And, you know, how do they go about getting involved? Start from, you know, nothing, have no background in government. How do you make a voice for yourself? Um, you know, I think that you just have, first off, you have to educate yourself. You have to know what's out there. And I think going, um, you know, I did a lot of research. I got involved with FAIR after like kind of, I mean, you know, FAIR is a very well-known uh, organization, but I got to know the food allergy community by just going in there and, and, and researching. And I mean, I think once you meet, as, as I, mean, I mentioned earlier, you can't just like pick up the phone and call FAIR and be like, Hey, I want to do the things right. Or can you, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think, um, well, I mean, I, I'm sure you can. Uh, I think there's ways to get involved in that way, but it depends on how much you want to get involved and how you want to get involved. But how I went about it is essentially just, you know, getting to know the community, initiating the bill, have mutual friends, um, you know, just really just kind of getting my, my tentacles out there and just really just like really asking for help and asking for resources. And, and I think that's okay. You need to, you're, you're, advocate just like we teach our kids that have food allergies or if we have food allergies we have to advocate for ourselves and and know what resources are available and I think that when we come out of our shell and we become you know less shy about those things and we we a lot of things open up um and, and then you know again going back to it you know if you, if you don't have access that's one of the things that you know we I think I feel passionate about I want to be able to be part of that change making and and that's one of the things that kind of pushed me to do things like I want to make sure to make access to for other people and other kids and other individuals um so that's you know that that's a driving force for me yeah what about advice for newly diagnosed food allergy parents you're not alone um you it's okay for you to ask questions um I think that's the biggest thing. I think as a new, newly diagnosed uh, food allergy parent, it's, should I ask this question? Is this something, no, and it's true. There are no dumb questions. There are absolutely no dumb questions because it's your body. I mean, this is a serious situation that, or potentially serious situation and you want to yeah. be equipped. Um, and you're, you're your, your child's advocate. Um, so if you don't ask questions, then nobody will. Um, so. I think that that's probably the biggest advice and you're not alone. It's really true. You're not alone. I think we talked about it earlier before this broadcast. I know Shandy has mentioned that you're not, um, you may feel like it um, because maybe the immediate circles don't relate, but there are resources out there. Um, and, and, you know, now with the internet, I mean, you go to Facebook and you're able to find those, yeah. those resources. And I think that was another way that I was able to kind of, kind of, get into the allergy world and be able to ask other parents. I, I've joined a lot of these groups that were online through Facebook and other social media outlets. So how can everybody connect with you online? Um, I'm available. <laughs> um, what we set up is a uh, Zachy's website, which is um, com, And on there, you can go and see all the different things we're up to. Um, you, you can see the, hopefully you'll see the show, which is really great. Um, I also have uh, the Zachy bill up there as well as, you know, we're working on the children's book 
um, to also create awareness. And that's going to come out um, probably in August. So and everybody will find all those things on Zachy's universe. Yeah. On Zachy's universe. Um, So I invite you to to (laughs) check it out. (laughs) Come visit Zachy's universe. I love it. Um, Okay. So as you know, uh, we were talking about this before the show also, all of these episodes end with my favorite little game of two truths and a lie. So hopefully we haven't ratted you out on any of them so far, but you're going to give us three facts about yourself. One of which is, you know, not a fact. And listeners, if you want to know which one's not true, come talk to us in the comments on social media or on your favorite podcast platform. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear them. Priscilla, two truths and a lie. Okay, the first one is I orchestrated a thousand person Southern California motorcycle bike ride. I um, at one time took care of a collection of real frogs and I wore braces in high school. I like it. Three totally different directions. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Priscilla Hernandez, thank you so much for being here. What an eye opening and informative conversation. I'm sure everybody loved it. It's been great to have you. Listeners, thank you so much for being here. This has been the Shandyland Podcast, and we will talk to you soon.